Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Welcome to episode 182. Oh, we made it. And if you were here last week, uh, Ed has now finished lunch. I'm done. The soup has been consumed. Yep, and it's even... Is it not on you? It's dried right there. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> There's one little spot. It, it ain't been a good lunch no. unless you're wearing it. Yeah, I'm always wearing it. It's something. wearing his food all That's the time. That's right, all so. the time. There you go. One, all right. But it's not bad, one little spot. No. Snack later, maybe. <laughs> it's still in there. It is. That's so, right. Okay. All right. So uh, as we said last week, uh, we we had a, a couple of weeks back, someone uh, asked us a question about how to define a cult in that whole thing. And the whole. And I assume there is a follow-up to that episode because we got some more questions about that issue. So we're going to try and tackle those again today. Man, we try to answer what you say unless we, we really get the try. feeling you're just gaming with us. Uh, well, we're trying. We're uh, trying. We'll see. Well, yeah, we'll do our best. So, y'all ready for this one? I'm, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Uh, how is Jesus different from a cult leader? How do you tell the difference between Jesus' desires and your own interpretation of Jesus' desires? How do you avoid becoming a cult? I think we answered the last one on the episode. We the did. part about how to avoid becoming yes. a cult in the, in the answer. So, I think we can push people back to that. That would have been like episode one... 79 or something Somewhere like in there. that. Two previous ones. Yeah, at least. Uh, yeah, I think three at this point. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, I think we answered that part. But the, the first two are, are an interesting question, I think. Is right. How is Jesus different from a cult leader? How do you tell the difference between your opinions and Jesus' opinions? That's good. Who wants to start? Oh, I thought you were going to start. I did too. I, I, I was just—I was answering no, the last I part. You were I was already just going. On you to well, go I'll start then. So I think the easiest way. So how is Jesus different from a cult leader? Yeah. I think the easiest answer is, if he is God, uh, then that makes him different than a cult leader because he is so. God. Yeah. If he is not God, what makes him different than a cult leader is he is dead. Yeah, and typically cults die with their leaders. Well, that's what I mean. Well, and he the the definition of a cult is. You know, this group that is centered around a charismatic leader, and yep. he is the sole beneficiary of the thing. Yes. If Jesus is not the Son of God, if he is not the resurrected King of Kings, mm -hmm. then he is a man who, who was a cult leader, who and led a group of people, and then he died. And he ain't getting much out of and it he's not. And then there's a just a group of people who believe he's the Son of God, and he's getting nothing out of it. Right. So if he, is, if he is not who he claimed to be, then... I would say that's the difference is he's not benefiting from it. Mm -hmm. Well, and there was, and you know, in his, his time, Christianity was considered a cult yes. immediately cult. following. Yeah. It was. And it's even recorded in the scripture that Gamaliel says to him when they're beating the apostles, hey, we probably ought to just let this thing go because if it's from God, mm -hmm. it will. we won't be able to stop it. That's right. And if it's not from God, it's going to die on its own because the dude they say they follow is dead. Right, right. very prophetic. He was. was and he, I mean, he just says, yeah. we need to just stop opposing it. It will go away if it's not Mm -hmm. yes. If it's not from God. Mm -hmm. And if he is the son of God, there's not even a category we have right. for that. That's even right. the idea of kind of religion, what we call religion, doesn't practically fit underneath it because this is the creator of the universe entering into his own universe and then saying, hey, come follow me and be like me. Mm -hmm. That is a completely different category of things. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say that answers how is he different than a cult leader once again. If he isn't who he claimed to be, then he's dead, and all of this is not benefiting him which, at all. Which is why it has to come to the first question. And I, and I don't, I, I don't want to claim I don't, I don't know 
who who asked these questions. Uh, but it has to asking is Jesus as a cult leader. You either already believe he's not the son of God. The question presupposes he's just a man like everybody else and he may have led a cult. Mm -hmm. Because if you believe he's the son of God, the question is already answered itself. Exactly. That's true. So the question for this particular person is, have you made up your mind about Jesus? And if you've made up your mind he's not, Mm. then you have your answer. You think he was a cult leader. We have also made up our mind and we think he's not. I, I mean, I don't know that we're going to be able to move think, each other on I that. Think, I think we've made it pretty clear on this podcast. To your question, Nathan, we do believe that he is the son of God right. and he is alive today. Right. And he rose from the dead, defeated uh, death, sin, and the grave. And so that kind of settles it for us. And we've always said, I mean, we, the three of us have all said in messages, you know, once, once you've established that fact that Jesus rose from the dead— uh, he pretty much gets to be Lord in charge of my life. Yeah, he's right. He's <laughs> because just right. Because that's the guy I want to follow uh, who's got the keys to death. So, Well, and I think, you know, going this does go a little bit back to the, the uh, question about being a cult, being a church, how is it different? I think a really clear distinction that's important to get, and I would say this to believers about it, is our responsibility is not to convince, certainly not to coerce Mm. anybody into believing what we believe. Our goal is to be a faithful witness of what Jesus has done, what Jesus has done in history, what we know through the scriptures to be true, what we know just through historical evidence to be true, Mm -hmm. and what he's done in my life, what I have experienced in my life. And so, you know, in a cult, Cults can only grow through kind of coercive, manipulative means of trying to draw people in around, once again, this charismatic leader to benefit him, most likely him sometimes. Although I've watched now two different documentary series that are female-led cults, which is just very interesting. But historically, they tend to be men at the center of those things. Uh, But the church, what makes a difference is our, uh, what you might refer to as evangelism, proselytizing when it's done in the nature of Jesus the goal is not to argue somebody or convince somebody or even put the exact right answer and evidence before someone and then they just have to believe yeah. if they're a rational person they would have to believe that's right the goal is to say i just want to tell the story mm-hmm. that is told to me in the bible of what Jesus has done and what 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 i have personally experienced and know to be true mm-hmm. and it has to be okay with us when someone looks at that and says I don't want that. Yeah. Well, for and for me, I've come a long way on that very place because, you know, uh, I I'm not sh- I have always since since I've been a believer believed that Jesus was right about everything. I just haven't understood all the everything he's been right about. He sure. he continually he continues to reveal to me. So even on that thing of convincing people, I have I've spent more than a few times thinking I could convince people, mm. but. And rereading the words of Jesus over and over again, Jesus is really clear. The Holy Spirit is the convincer. Mm, (laughs) And so my job, I do damage to the person and to myself in thinking I have the ability to convince anybody. It puts too much weight on me. It builds into ego too much. Mm -hmm. And for everybody else, it puts the pressure of I've got to get it right. No, all I have to do is just be as faithful as witness. And I don't even have to, 
I have seen it happen many times that I haven't even done a great job. Hmm. But when the Holy Spirit's active, it's just his job to do the convincing. Yes. And do people receive conviction from the Holy Spirit and not get convinced? I think yes. I know I have at times. Yeah. Yeah. And you just look at the life of Jesus, what you just said, Ed, rings true as, as you were saying it. You know, you look at all of the confrontations, mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. that were brought to Jesus, the questions and the, you know, the folks that were against him, trying to, you know, expose him or to, you know, trip him up and all that stuff. Jesus spends zero time in convince mode. Right. Or to, well, let me give you the argument that's going to squash your argument. He does a lot of, of asking some questions and just mm-hmm. and and showing by what he does and how he how he lived and and how, and how he taught um, and and silences those folks just from like you said the faithful witness of who he was he wasn't a, you know in our world it's pastors people are big on apologetics we're going to mm-hmm. get the right arguments to convince people that their arguments are bad and ours are good and they're and they're going to be brought into the kingdom that way. That wasn't how Jesus did it. Mm-hmm. Jesus never, never did that approach at all. Um, and I'm, I love that world. I, I, I enjoy that. It, it's a stimulating thing for my mind. I love all that. But I've also come to that place in my walk with Jesus that it's not as valuable in that way as I believe I thought it was at one time. Yeah, it is only valuable when somebody asks me a question. Exactly. Sure. But then I can answer sure. the question. But if they ask a if they are asking a question to me to try to f- find fault in my reason, mm-hmm. they will always find fault in my reason. Absolutely. Because my reason is is often faulty. Sure. Well, and and I, like everybody else's are. We aren't infallible. Well, and I think the I think one thing that I I try to hold on to in my own mind when talking about this with people is, you know, Paul refers to the message of the cross as being foolishness to those who don't believe, but it's the wisdom of God. And I think, and I don't mean that as a criticism to those who don't believe. What I mean is I need to be comfortable uh, looking foolish, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not always comfortable. I want to be perceived, and I think, you know, because of just the, the nature of uh, the way things have gone in our country, uh, Christians by and large have kind of been able to try and this is a lot of, honestly, it's where I see a lot of apologetics arguments is not as much about trying to convince anyone, but it's trying to say, this isn't foolish. This isn't foolish. None of this is foolish. You shouldn't have to feel foolish. And a lot of it is, I go, yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're not, you're not totally wrong. My personal experience is not objective evidence to anyone else, but it is my experience. It is the experience I have, and I can only be faithful to what I have. I have historical evidence, but yeah, you can poke holes in the historical evidence. I, you know, I can't, I can't deny any of those kind of things. Uh, but that's true for lots of things in this world. What I have to come down to is uh, when when someone is genuinely seeking, when someone when someone has seen something, hopefully in my life or the life of the church, or maybe something in their own life as they've pursued a different way of life has become so odious to them or so painful for them that they go, I need to try something different. At that point, when someone asks me a question, I'm now engaging with someone who is looking for 
uh, really looking for an answer at that point. Mm. That's a different way of receiving someone than I'm going to go out and I I want you to know how smart I am and how good I am in answering these questions. I'll I'll be the first to throw out the Dallas quote in this episode. Mm -hmm. Dallas, in his book about apologetics, which is really not a book about apologetics, it's... uh, he says, we always have to be willing to help people. Mm. And that's the way he sees apologetics. Mm. It's never about winning anything. Mm. It's never about proving anything. But then when people are genuinely looking for answers, we have to be willing to try and help as much as we can, help yes. them find the answer. But when I'm trying to help somebody and I offer them everything I have and they still haven't found it, I shouldn't. That's not on me. No. I gave them everything that I have to give Mm -hmm. and it's not on them yet if they keep looking Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I'm saying it it doesn't disprove what they wanted me to prove or disprove I just wasn't able to help them more than I needed to help them but I have to maintain that idea when I'm in those conversations of I'm just trying to help Mm. all I'm trying to do is help if I get into and I can get into comp- competing mode really yeah. easy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, most of those most of those conversations, what I found is it's really not two people who have honest questions talking to one another. Right. It's it's two people with two opposing viewpoints that are trying to one up the next one. Right. Yeah. And when you get into that kind of a thing, it, nobody's changing. It's not helpful to either. It's one. not helping anybody. No. So I have seldom come out of any of those conversations feeling completely good. Mm-hmm. Colleen. Yeah, me too. There is one element to this question that I found intriguing that I thought might be an interesting conversation. We didn't touch on it yet, but we sort of talked about it earlier before we hit record. Um, How can you tell the difference between what Mm -hmm. Jesus desires and whether it's just your interpretation of what you Mm -hmm. think Jesus desires? That's that's an interesting question. Um, I've had thoughts about that before, but what do you guys make of that? How do we deal with that as well? Mm Well, I think, I think obviously you're talking about the Bible because everything I know about Jesus mm-hmm. was recorded is, by is, the Bible writers. It's included in what we hold as a scripture. And so now I'm interpreting it. So I have to first begin to deal with how do you interpret words that are 2,000 years old at right. least. Yep. Some of them, the Old Testament's older than that. Mm-hmm. In a different language. In a different language. So I have, to, I have to deal with probably if I really, really care about this and I have... I, I start with what has the church, and I, by that I mean the overwhelming majority of the church said about this subject. Christians throughout history. Yes. Yeah. What have they said? And if I have something that in me says, my interpretation is, I have now discovered something that says 2,000 years of Christians have been wrong. Well, I need to do a lot of research before I begin to say, I think everybody before me was wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or to even say, the minority of people mm-hmm. in the past mm-hmm. were right, and the majority of people are wrong. I'm not saying that might not be right. Yeah. I'm just saying, I must be humble enough to not promote myself above. That's right. I'm saying I'm more devoted than people in the past. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. more enlightened. I'm, I'm more enlightened. Yeah. And so I can disregard that. So that's where I would start. So I'd better do some study of what it meant to the people originally. Why did they come to that position? How, what have the results of that been throughout the years of them following through on that? Mm. 
if it changed, where did it deviate and why did it deviate? It is not a, we sit down in a small group Bible study and somebody said, well, you know, when I read this, I think, and everybody goes, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's probably going to get you to the wrong place. Yes. Uh, you, you need to do some really careful study if you really care about what Jesus might have said. Mm. But, you know, this is not a... Christianity is... We, we stand in a long line of historical faith. That's what I yeah. wish everybody in our day could, could get. This, this is not quickly invented. Mm-hmm. And even... Jesus coming on the scene, he's in the flow of all the prophets and that before mm-hmm. him. That's right. So we mm-hmm. we have to be very careful to begin to come up with things <laughs> that are new so, and novel. So yeah. <laughs> let me bring up an example that just recently happened to me um, where a person can, and this is not, not a controversial well, I should say it's not a hot button. It might be controversial to some people. It's not a hot button kind of issue. Someone came up to me uh, after my sermon yesterday and said, do you have any Christian friends in your life? Because there's a point in the sermon at the very beginning I said, uh, I was talking about this idea of the myth of progress, that uh, human ideas will just make the world better. The world's just going to get better, and then we're all going to become the Star Trek utopia at the end of it. And they said, and I mentioned offhand, I said, that doesn't mean we should not be involved in making the world a better place because there are some Christians that their viewpoint is Jesus is going to come back, rapture is going to happen. You're getting too involved in worldly matters. Mm-hmm. Well, someone came up to me afterwards and said, I have some Christians in my life who are that way. How would you, t- how would you talk to them about that's not Jesus' desire? Jesus desires that you would get involved. So I started by saying, well, I would just start with the Bible. I said, I would start with Jesus' words. And I said, Jesus makes pretty clear in Matthew 25, right, that he says what you do for those who are, if you clothe the naked, if you feed the hungry, if you visit those in prison, if you take care of the sick. And he was talking about the societal problems in his day, the poverty in his day, the imprisonment in his day, those kind of things. He says, what you do for those people, you've done for me. And in fact, it's one of the few places where Jesus says, and if you don't, I'm going to say, it don't matter you call me Lord or not, get away from me. You ain't with me. And for some reason, we've removed that. That's been interesting. So that, that has not gotten as much attention from Christians as should you be baptized or not baptized. Right. <laughs> or even... <laughs> Are you saved forever even if you never lived like it? Or even in our context, you know, you know, in uh, even the conversation we have today about evangelism, there's not a place where Jesus says, and if you don't convert five people, you don't get to go. You, I will push you away from me. He doesn't say that's the consequence of that. He does make pretty clear if you are not actively involved in bettering the lives of other people, especially those who are marginalized, there's, there is something. Now, of course, who knows exactly what that looks like? That's not the point of this conversation. The point is say you look at Jesus' words first. Jesus is the way we interpret the entire Bible. So to me, that seems pretty clear. That seems pretty clear that regardless of what the consequence is if I don't do it, his intention is you need to clothe some people. You need to feed some people. You need to take care of those. And then I said, the thing you said about the Old Testament, I said, I said, I would also point them to a ton of prophets in the Old Testament. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Jesus did not just show up for the whole world. He started with the people of Israel, which is something he, once again, going back to his words, he says a bunch of times, I'm here first for the lost sheep of Israel to get them in line, and then we're going to everyone else. 
And then I'd say, so you look at the prophets where they keep condemning the chief sin of Israel is not the fact that they weren't giving sacrifices or doing that. It's that they they not only were not taking care of the poor, they had now become oppressors themselves. They were oppressing the poor. They had become they had once were in slavery. They now had slaves. That's the, right. the whole thing. And so to point to this, I'd say, you've got to look at the whole thing. And I said, and then I would tell them, outside of America, most Christians around the world do not see a social engagement and religious engagement as separated. It is a uniquely American problem that for very American reasons you can trace back uh, to many problems in American history. And if and you so, just follow the 2,000-year history of the church, the church has been the one on social issues from the beginning right. that began to engage. They are the ones that said, Romans, you exposing babies you don't want to death. We're going to... We're going to take those babies so in. So orphanages came. Yeah, orphanages came. All of those things the church has regularly. So that's how you do it on any topic. Right. You look, you, at, you look at you look at what does Jesus say? What does the entirety of Scripture say? What have Christians throughout history done? And I think that's the that's what I said. I said I don't know if I could tell you exactly what their belief was. What I can tell you is what they did, because Christianity is not a set of beliefs. It is a it is a way of life centered around Jesus. Yeah. It is the yeah. conviction that Jesus Christ is King, and therefore, because of that, He gets to determine how I do everything in my life. Yeah. And I think to, to jump off of that is that point you just made, Nathan. And the questioner saying, you know, there's Jesus, what Jesus wants, and then there's our opinion or interpretation of what Jesus wants. I, I, I'll give you that point because I, I think we would all agree that the Christian tent is envelops a lot of different oh, differences oh, of opinion sure, yeah. on a lot of different things. Like we just had this discussion earlier, you know, there are some Christians that believe that, you know, women should not be in leadership. And then right. there are some churches that believe everybody has equal right. Yeah, if you're a like Christian, us. yeah, you're. And so, yeah. But would we call them both Christians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I me, guess. Yeah, yeah, I would. I mean, I don't know whether they would call me that. I don't. I call, I call them that. Doesn't matter. There are some Christians that I know that think that God has predestined everybody. In, sure. You know, to where their mm -hmm. eternal, eternal destiny is going to be. There are others that think we have free will. I, they're all under the tent of Jesus as well. I think so. So, right. so I don't think that this issue is as big of a deal as it, it might appear in the beginning, no. because there's a lot of differences that we're all trying to work out and, together. But yeah. Jesus cleared the deck, I think, when he said, "I really got one command for y'all. Right. <laughs> I just got one command, and it's love each other." Mm -hmm. Right. And so, if we're falling back on that one. I think we're under the tent. Yeah, and if you wind up making a mistake in the name of I'm trying to love other people, and there are things Jesus says that are just crystal clear that all mm -hmm. Christians believe. Mm -hmm. they, yes, and that's the historic part. You just that's the historic part. That's right. That we all hold on to. When you vary from that, then I go, well, you might be off track. You know, and I need, I need to help you as a brother try to get back to where we are but uh, or to see the area your way, mm -hmm. but... The wrong place to always start is, what do I think? Mm -hmm. If I start looking at the words of Jesus and go, what do I think that should mean? Mm -hmm. It's not, one, it's just not the way to interpret something that wasn't written directly to me. Yeah. Or even <laughs> in the vein of, you, you were talking about 
love one another as the central command. If I I do not get to ter- determine what love is. That's either. right. That's because right. there are people who would look at the command to love one another and then go, well, you teach X, Y, and Z. That's not loving. And I go, well, but mm, you don't get to determine what love is. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus does. <laughs> once again, and this is why the central conviction has to be Jesus Christ is king. Because, and this is where I go back to the thing of it does look foolish. If Jesus Christ is not king, then yes, a lot of this then becomes circular reasoning around what, well, this man said and this, you have to do this. And that is true, and that does look foolish, unless he really is God. Yeah. And then there is no circle. He's He is the circle. He's the whole thing. That's right. He's the one who made it all. And if that part is true, then he gets to tell me what love looks like. He gets to tell me what, uh, what life really is. He gets to tell me about everything. And so even when we're determining what love looks like, because that's what Jesus says when he says, love God and love your neighbor. He says, all the law and prophets can be summed up in this. And I think sometimes we look at that as saying, oh man, he really shrunk it down to this. What he's doing is giving you a lens in which to see yeah, those things. You look at all of that through it. Mm-hmm. He's saying the definition of love can be found when the prophet says, because there are people, once again, that would say the most loving thing I can do is make sure everyone is going to heaven. So I don't need to worry about feeding nobody. I just need to make sure everybody hears the message. And that's what love looks like, not like this. But not when you look at the law and the prophets. It says what matters. And honestly, not when you look at the life of Jesus. Because he, as I said this to the same person, I said, Jesus didn't just come and die for people's sins. He, I said, and die for their souls. He fed their stomachs. He healed their bodies, mm-hmm. right? He took care of people. Jesus did not only care about people's eternal destination. Jesus was interested in the true soul which is your entire being, your body, your right. heart, your yeah. mind. And so I think that's the important part. You have to look, everything comes back to Jesus, even our definitions of love and life and all these kind of things. Yes. And I think that's where we, all of us get off at times. Well, because we think we know what love is. Yes. Sure. That's why I think John says in First John, this is how we know what love is. Yes. He laid down his life for us. Mm-hmm. So everything has to come back to a self-sacrificing Savior yes. who gives himself for me and says, if I want to follow him, I must give up myself, as you talked about in the message yesterday, which sometimes means I'm going to give up a desire that I feel really strongly about, right. but I'm giving it up for the sake of following the one mm-hmm. because the worst thing that could happen to me is not that I have a desire that gets unmet. Mm-hmm. It's just not the worst thing. Mm-mm. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. And the questioner who asked that question. Yeah, thanks thank for, for that allowing discussion. us to have that discussion. And we need more questions. We do. So send them in. Link's in the description. Have at it. We we will answer as best or as much as we can. We will try to help. We will I think try that was a good to help. We are trying to That's help. a good way to put it. Well, I think the thing you always start with is we're trying to answer questions. I can't remember the exact way you say it, but something along that way. People send us questions. We're trying to answer them in a way that we think Jesus would have us do and help people think like right. he would. Think like he would. That's right. So there you go. So if you're a person asking questions and you don't want to think like Jesus... You're having. You're, you're in the wrong place. You're not going to be. All the answers we get. We oh. have no other answers than that. That's all we got. So come back if you want more of that next yeah, week. Yeah, if you do, if you don't, uh, there okay. are other. There are a world of podcasts these days. Lots of them. Have at it. Enjoy. See you next week.